0: Welcome to the Gospel Saves podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. I'm Wade Stanley, an evangelist with the Church of Christ. Please visit thegospelsaves.me for blogs, videos, and Bible studies. You can also find the Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back to my ongoing study of the Church. This is Episode 12, The Bride of Christ, Part 1. God often depicts his people as his bride, a symbolism that reaches back to the earliest days of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. As we move into the New Testament, the metaphor continues with Jesus depicted as the husband of his bride, the church. In this episode, I begin exploring what lessons we can apply from marriage to our relationship with our husband, Christ. Before I get into the study, let me do a little housekeeping. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple and you find this or any of my other content helpful, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating and leaving a review. If you're watching this on the Gospel Saves YouTube channel, please give the video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and click the bell icon to receive notifications when I upload new content. All of these small gestures help the good news of Jesus Christ reach more people so you can help me preach the Gospel and teach the Doctrine of Christ's Church to as many people as possible. I appreciate your help. Now let's talk about the Church as the Bride of Christ. On our last program we were talking about how the Church is a body, and this week we're going to begin studying about how the Church is the Bride of Christ. Before we get to the New Testament passages related to this idea, I'd like to lay a little bit of a foundation As we look back historically at God's interactions with his people, and I'm talking about all the way from the very beginnings when he first formed a covenant with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai under the uh, leadership of Moses. From those earliest days, God has always viewed his relationship with his people as a marriage. He warned the children of Israel in the old law that if they went to follow after other gods, they would be acting like a prostitute. And when we get to the books like Hosea, where God, in a very literal way, has Hosea depict his relationship with Israel as a marriage relationship, we can see that God has always viewed his relationship with his people as, as a marriage. So when the New Testament calls the church the bride of Christ, That's a a very old idea, an idea that's been around for a long, long time, that God has viewed his relationship with his people as a marriage relationship. And what we learn is that God has a very specific meaning. When he describes the church as the bride of Christ, what he is intending to teach us is that he wants the church to be faithful To him and to keep itself pure. Now the primary passage in the New Testament that that describes the church in this way is Ephesians chapter 5 verses 23 through 27. Many times when I'm conducting a wedding ceremony, many times the bride or groom will ask for Ephesians 5 to be read. The reason why is because in this passage we see God teaching us that Our relationship with our spouse is much like his relationship with his people. And from that parallel, we can draw certain lessons. Oftentimes, when we look at Ephesians 5, we're looking at it from the perspective of what can I do to be a better spouse for my husband or my wife, depending upon which gender you are instead of going that direction, though, I'd instead like to look at this passage as it relates to the Lord's relationship with the church. In Ephesians 5.23, Paul says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. A couple of years ago, we studied the book of Ephesians, and we talked about what these verses meant within the marriage relationship. But when it comes to our relationship with Christ, these two verses tell us that we, as the church, are to submit ourselves completely to the Lord. What I want no longer matters. What matters is only what the Lord wants, because I no longer belong to myself, I now belong to someone else, in this case, Jesus Christ. Over in the sixth chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, in verses 19 and 20, Paul is describing each of us individually as a temple. He says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and we do not belong to ourselves; we are not our own. He says, "No, we were bought with a price, so we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's." When we become a Christian, when we become a part of the Lord's Church, we should do so with the understanding that I now belong to God; I now am a part of the the Bride of Christ it's no longer what i want to do what i want to do is is not even does not even enter into the consideration whatsoever unless what i want to do is in line with what god wants me to do so back in ephesians 5:23 and 24 what what that teaches us is that as the bride of christ we we belong to him we're to be submissive to him what he wants us to do is what we need to do without question another lesson that we can learn in this passage is that Christ died to purify the church in Ephesians 5:26 he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her talking about the church with the washing of water by the word jesus died so that the church can be pure and our relationship with him begins on pure terms when we become a part of the bride of christ we are washed with water by the word this is a definite allusion to baptism and the role that baptism plays in the cleansing of our sins now it's not an external cleansing it's not a bath peter makes that point in first peter chapter 3 verse 21 but it is an internal cleansing that this is the moment in time when the blood of Jesus washes away our sins so our our relationship with jesus begins on on pure terms on terms of righteousness and faithfulness and loving kindness and mercy justice it's not like the relationship god had with israel in the old testament he knew full well that israel was not going to be faithful to him and yet he married them so to speak now, our relationship with Jesus begins with an understanding. And it begins with, with with a purification that we are made a part of the bride of Christ through the cleansing of our sins. And also Christ expects his bride to remain pure. So not only are we purified in the marriage relationship, so to speak when the marriage covenant is formed, we're also supposed to keep ourselves pure while we are married to Christ. That next verse in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 27, Paul says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You see, it's Christ's intention to have a pure undefiled bride on that final day. You know, the day of judgment, the day of Christ's return is often depicted in terms of a marriage ceremony. When John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven in Revelation chapter 21, he describes her as a bride prepared for her groom. There are other instances where our dwelling with God is described as a wedding feast where Jesus has has married his bride, so to speak. And all these are not to be taken literally. These are all symbolic. And the, the message that, in my estimation, God is trying to get across to us is, like our marriage relationship, where we are trying to keep that relationship between just two people. We're keeping out all others, where it's just about my connection with this other person so, too, the church is to put nothing between itself and the Savior. That we are to keep ourselves without spot or wrinkle, and that by the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be holy and without blemish. If we violate this covenant, if we choose to introduce third parties, so to speak, to commit spiritual adultery, if you will, then dire consequences await us. That's one of the lessons we learned from the Old Testament, in particular the book of Hosea. One of the things that Hosea teaches us is that Israel had spent centuries following after other gods. They had worshipped Baal and Asherah and all the other gods and goddesses associated uh, with those gods in that particular region of the world. God considered this adultery, spiritual adultery. And after putting up with it for centuries, God said, I'm done, and I'm going to divorce you. And he divorced them by sending them into captivity. Now, one of the... Prevailing messages in the book of Hosea is, is one of hope that even though this divorce has taken place, that there is a time of restoration in the future. But the message should come across to us today. We are in a marriage relationship with God if we are a member of the Lord's church. And we should let no third parties in. No one should should stand between ourselves and God. And if we choose to bring in things that will defile, there are dire consequences that await. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul again compares the church to a temple. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And we talked about the church as the temple a few weeks ago. But the warning is the same. If God is trying to tell us that in viewing his relationship with us as a marriage he's trying to help us understand that we need to be faithful to him, that we need to keep our relationship pure, then the warning of 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 should be the same. If I bring in anything impure into this relationship, the only thing that awaits me is destruction. Christ wants his church to be pure, undefiled, holy, without blemish. So as you think about your relationship with the Lord, think about it in terms of a marriage relationship, of how you have made vows to the Lord. You have told the Lord that you will be my God and I will be a part of your people. You've made that vow. You have pledged yourself to him. You are now in a committed relationship and you're not to allow other things into that relationship that would come between the two of you you see God expects us to be spiritually monogamous to keep ourselves from false gods like the children of Israel and as we're going to talk about next week from other things as well thanks for listening to the gospel saves podcast If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.